Hey there, I'm Brandon Riff, lead content writer for Achievable. Welcome to the Achievable Financial Exam Podcast, where we help you efficiently and effectively pass difficult FINRA and NASAA exams. Today's topic of conversation is, what's the best study plan? Whether you're exploring the possibility of sitting for an exam like the SIE, Series 6, 7, 63, 65, or 66, or you're approaching your test date, the contents of this podcast will help you form the best possible study plan. I will be discussing how to implement your study plan using Achievable's platforms, but the advice provided today is applicable to any study program. If you want to try out Achievable, which is the best learning program for finance licensing exams, click the links in the podcast description or head over to achievable.me and gain access to a free trial. We currently have programs for the SIE exam in the Series 7 and plan to have a Series 63 program by the end of February 2021, and you can try out each without a credit or debit card. All we need is your email. All right. We're done with the promos. Let's jump into the podcast. Creating and sticking to a good study plan can be the difference between passing and failing finance licensing exams. Let's start first with a big picture view and we'll drill down from there. The first part of building your study plan will involve determining how long your study period should be. Or another way of saying, when do you actually want to sit for the exam? It's important to be realistic here. As much as you might want to be done with these exams in just a few days, most will need a minimum of three to four weeks of preparation, if not more. Of course, the amount of time you dedicate to your studies influences this. For example, a person that can dedicate eight hours of quality time to their studies will have a shorter study period than someone who can only dedicate an hour every other day. For purposes of building an example, we will create a 30-day study plan for today's podcast. Let's first create the overall big-picture frame of our plan. The learning process will involve reading all your learning materials, taking notes, and testing your knowledge with plenty of practice questions. Once you're through all your learning materials, you'll then shift over to final exams. Most test takers will need at least one to two weeks of final exams to put the big picture together and consistently pass their practice exams. Let's take the average and assume you will need 10 days of practice exams. Now we have the initial frame for our 30-day study period, 20 days for the learning process, and 10 days for final exams. We will now dive into each subdivision, starting first with the learning process. The name should be pretty self-explanatory. The learning process is where you learn the material. The best way to approach it is this. Read, take practice questions, and repeat until you're through all the material. It sounds easy, but many test takers will deviate from this plan by skimming the reading material, skipping practice questions, or simply jumping automatically to final exams. While cutting corners may not be a problem for a small percentage of test takers, it will result in more work and headache for the vast majority. I can't tell you how many people have reached out to me for tutoring, thinking they need professional help, when in fact the problem was skipping past material and not having a good study plan. Don't do this. As specific as possible, here's what I recommend you do. 
Most learning materials are broken up into chapters and sub-chapters. In fact, this is how Achievable is broken up. First, read through all the sub-chapters of a full chapter. For example, Achievable's first chapter for the SIE exam is Common Stock. There are 19 sub-chapters in this chapter, including rights of stockholders, cash dividends, and stock risks. Each sub-chapter requires somewhere between 5 and 15 minutes to read. Read through each, and if you're using Achievable, mark completed at the bottom of each sub-chapter. Marking a section completed will tell the system to add to your reviews, which adds practice questions to your workload. I do recommend taking notes as you're reading through each subchapter, but don't rewrite the book. If it's something especially emphasized or discussed thoroughly, absolutely write down the important parts. But if you're noticing yourself writing pages and pages of notes after reading just a few chapters, it's probably a good idea to roll that back a bit. Once you're done reading through a chapter, this is a good time to reinforce what you've learned with practice questions. If you're using Achievable, the Reviews function will filter questions your way on material you've been through. Additionally, our system filters practice questions to you right when you're likely forgetting these concepts. So, if you're using our system correctly, you'll see practice questions on topics you took today, again, in about a week. Every time you log into Achievable, you should first go through the assigned reviews, then go back to the reading. If you're using a program other than Achievable, you should have access to chapter quizzes. Be sure to take a reasonable set of practice questions after every chapter. This could mean 20 to 30 practice questions after a smaller chapter, or 50 to 100 practice questions for a larger chapter. If you notice yourself scoring low on these chapter quizzes, it might be worth it to go back into the reading materials, reread the sections you're having trouble with, and take additional practice questions. But at the same time, don't feel like you need to aim for perfection. Most financial licensing exams require a low 70 score to pass, so there's no need to aim for a super high score. If you're averaging around a 70, plus or minus a few points, you're doing just fine. And if you're scoring consistently above that mark, great. And that's the general approach you'll want to follow during your learning period. Read a chapter, take practice questions and aim for a score around a 70 or higher, and move on to the next chapter and repeat. Do this until you're at the end of your learning materials. Also, make sure that you're following a good pace to finish your learning process on time. With the original 30-day study period that we built, we dedicated 20 of those days to the learning process. Before you even start your learning process, you should determine how many chapters are in your materials and do some quick math to determine how much time you have for each chapter. For example, Achievable Series 7 program has 16 chapters. With a 20-day learning process, that allows one day for each chapter with four extra days for breaks or extra time on specific areas. Of course, every chapter is unique one way or another. Some are longer and more intense, and some are shorter and fairly intuitive. In the example study period that we're utilizing, the four buffer days should be utilized as breaks or opportunities to spend extra time on more challenging chapters. You could also build additional buffer days by going through multiple chapters in one day. 
For example, the preferred stock chapter in Achievable Series 7 program should take roughly an hour to read through, with maybe another hour to take several practice questions on that chapter. Use the extra time you have left over to continue forward through the material and build those additional buffered days. They will be very valuable, especially if you need extra time on chapters or if something unexpected like getting sick occurs in your personal life. Let's go ahead and summarize the study period that we just discussed. Read through a chapter, take practice questions on that chapter, and then repeat that until you're through all the material. If your study process is longer, say over two or more months, be sure to take practice questions on older chapters that you've already completed, maybe once a week. You don't want to lose track of the concepts that you've already learned. Now, good news, if you're using Achievable, the review system we have in place is automatically assigned to do that for you. Every day before you start your reading, there will be a number of reviews that are assigned to you, and those reviews are meant to keep you knowledgeable on the topics as you continue forward through the material. Okay, that was the learning period. Now, let's talk about the last and final part of your study plan, which is the final exam period. At the very least, I recommend giving yourself at least a week to take and review practice exams. In our example, we've allocated 10 days of our 30-day study plan to final exams. One of the biggest mistakes people make when prepping for finance exams is not taking enough practice exams. It's one thing to score well on practice questions along the way, right after you read each chapter, but... It's a whole different process to put it all together and obtain a good score when tested on all the material in one sitting. Not only are you being asked to demonstrate the knowledge on all parts of the exam, but you're also required to have a fair amount of test stamina. The Series 7, for example, is a 135-question exam over a maximum of 3 hours and 45 minutes. It is not an easy task to sit down for a prolonged period of time almost four hours with the Series 7, and continually answer difficult finance questions. Would you ever want to run a marathon without any practice? You might be able to do it, but it'll be pretty difficult without any pre-built endurance. Finance exams work the same way. If the actual exam is the first or second time you're sitting for a full exam, this will work against you and drive your score downward. No question. Most test takers should aim for a minimum of five practice exams, preferably more like 10 or more. This will not only help you build test endurance, but it'll also help calm your nerves. Practice makes perfect. The more that you simulate the real exam, the less that the real test date will feel like an awkward or a first-time event. When I say simulate the exam, I really mean it. Every time you sit, For a practice exam, you need to put all your notes away and treat it like the real exam. If you want to create a dump sheet, which is a cheat sheet you can create from memory with some formulas and quick tidbits to know for the exam, you can absolutely do this. Be sure to create that dump sheet after you begin the exam. The test center, when you actually take the real exam, will not allow you to utilize your scratch notepad until your exam actually starts and the timer is ticking. If you're looking for an example dump sheet for the SIE or Series 7 exam, we have both on Achievable's forums, which you can find the links to in this podcast's description. 
taking your practice exam without any external help other than maybe a dump sheet is extremely important to your success. I cannot stress that enough. If you look up answers on your practice exam in your learning materials or through a Google search, you are setting yourself up for failure. Not only will your final exam score be inflated, but you're also subconsciously building a system of dependence. You're not going to have access to those resources on the real exam, and trust me, that will have some kind of psychological effect on you when you come across a difficult question that you don't know the answer to. One of my biggest pieces of advice for anyone preparing for these exams is don't ever use outside resources on a practice exam, ever. Trust me, it's in your best interest. Although it is nice to get instant feedback by looking up answers, take the exam without any unfair resources and be sure to do a thorough review immediately after. Doing it this way will also help you commit the material to long-term memory more efficiently and effectively. When the human brain encounters a foreign topic or concept, we are more likely to commit it to long-term memory when we see that topic or concept on multiple occasions. When you originally see the question and think it through, that's occasion number one. When you review it an hour or two later, that's occasion number two. Otherwise, if you're getting the answer immediately, you're really only seeing the concept once. Another good recommendation is use good test-taking skills as you make your way through your practice exams and also on the real exam. First, stick with your gut. Don't change answers. Maybe if you go back and review some of the questions you've gone through and you see you missed something or something else came to mind, of course, change the answer then. But don't just change answers on a whim. Your gut is usually a part of your brain telling you that you know the topic and trying to remind you of something that you learned a while back. And that gut feeling you're getting is pointing you most likely to the best answer that's in front of you. Second, be confident in your abilities. Don't talk yourself out of right answers. A lack of confidence usually spirals into anxiety, and and the more anxious you are on the exam, the less brain power you're dedicating to each question. So confidence is important. Third, you gotta be constantly aware that most of the questions you're seeing are built to trick you by either providing too much information or through vague language aimed to point you to a wrong answer. The more you know that they're trying to trick you, the less that their tricks will work on you. And last, quick test-taking skill, make sure that you're timing yourself on your practice exam and on the real exam, keep track of how much time you've spent. There'll be a timer on your screen at all times. You wanna make sure that you're going to finish the exam on time because... On the real exam, for any question that you don't finish within the time allotted is automatically counted as a wrong answer. You have to finish the test on time. Once you finish your practice exam, you'll get a score. Most finance exams require a low 70 score to pass, and your practice exam scores are your best indication of your ability to pass the actual test. The higher and more consistent your practice exam scores, the more likely you'll pass the real exam. When one of my students begins scoring in the 60s on their practice exams, I know they have at least a chance of passing the real test. My best story was a former student that obtained a high score of 60 on a practice exam the night before the real test and went on to pass the next day. While I was ecstatic and and super happy for this student, I need you to know that this is not normal. In fact, the majority of people with scores in the 60s on practice exams go on to fail the real test. 
Even with scores in the high 60s, the chips are stacked against you. It doesn't mean you can't pass. It just means probability is not on your side. Once someone begins scoring in the 70s, their chances of passing rapidly start increasing. And the higher your score goes on those practice exams, the better the probability of you passing the test. If you want to be safe, I recommend aiming for a consistent score in the high 70s or low 80s. And when I say consistent, I mean average the last three to four practice exams that you've taken. And if you're scoring a 77 or 78 on average, then you're most likely going to pass the actual test. It might take 10, 15, maybe even 20 practice finals to get to that point. But once you get there, your chances of failing decrease dramatically. Good news, Achievable allows for an unlimited number of practice finals. If you're using a different learning system that only provides a limited number of practice exams, it's probably worth it to consider using another platform unless you're very confident with the material. Now, let's say that you're obtaining practice final scores that you're happy with. Even when that's the case, it's very, very, very important to review every practice exam immediately after you take it. Maybe take a quick 10 to 15 minute break between the end of the exam and the review, but it's always more impactful to review right after versus waiting several hours or days. When you review a practice exam, I recommend reviewing every single question. And yes, this will be a significant investment of time, but trust me, it'll pay off. Some people just review the missed questions, which is somewhat valuable, but think about this. What about those questions that you guessed on and randomly answered correctly. You're not going to increase your knowledge on those test concepts if you only review the mist. They'll be lost in the wind. When you review a specific question, you should be aiming to review beyond the specific focus of the question. Of course, you want to understand why you got a specific question right or wrong. Definitely figure that out. But also, ask yourself this. If I see this topic tested in a completely different way or in another unique scenario, do I feel like I would get that question correct? If you feel like you understand the topic fully after the answer explanation, move on and review the next question. If you still feel confused after reading through the question, answer, and explanation, then you should cross-reference the reading material and learn more about the topic. If the topic still doesn't click at that point, search out other resources. That could be YouTube videos, Investopedia articles, even talking to a colleague potentially. And last, if you still feel challenged by really important parts of the material, it might be worth it to consider hiring a tutor. Another thing that I highly recommend during your review is to start taking notes in efforts to create a final review notebook. Now, this could be digital, it could be physical, it doesn't really matter, but the important point is that you're taking notes on the material that you're coming across that you didn't feel 100% comfortable with. That notebook will grow quickly, and keeping a good set of notes is important for two reasons. First, we tend to remember things more often when we either write them down or type them out, mainly because you're taking more time to write those notes and therefore devoting more brain energy to that topic. And second, The notebook will serve as a good refresher before every future practice exam and the actual exam itself. Before your next practice exam, set aside 15 to 20 minutes to simply review those notes. And by doing so, you're reminding yourself of the topics you were challenged by previously. Those topics will be fresh in your head, and you're more likely to answer questions on those topics correctly. And you should do the same prior to the real test as well. Whether you're doing a virtual exam or going to the test center, 
build out 20 to 30 minutes to give yourself a confidence pep talk and to review those notes. Go into the exam with those details fresh in your mind and your chances of passing will absolutely increase. Okay, that is a good study plan. Let's go ahead and summarize the big important points from today's podcast. First, always create a study plan and follow it. Build that study plan around the amount of time you have before the actual test. 30 days was the overall time frame we used in today's example. You should dedicate 60 to 70% of your study period to the learning process where you'll read through the learning program and take numerous practice questions. 20 days of our 30-day study period was dedicated to that. You should allocate the other 30 to 40% of your study period to practice exams. 10 days of our 30-day study period in this example was dedicated to that. I recommend a minimum of a week with practice exams, aiming for completing and reviewing five at the very least. Most test takers will need to take more like 10 to 15 practice exams to consistently attain scores in the 70s or higher. Start creating a book of notes as you review your practice finals and go through those notes prior to each future practice exam. Also, spend 20 to 30 minutes prior to the real test reviewing that notebook to go into the exam with the material fresh in your mind. Follow this general plan structure and you're setting yourself up for success. Be sure to check out the links in the podcast description where you'll gain access to additional exam resources, including podcasts, videos, and the dump sheets that we discussed earlier today, plus links to Achievable's learning platform. As a reminder, you can try out Achievable for the SIE and Series 7 exam right now, completely for free. All we need is your email. We will also have Achievable for the Series 63 available very soon. We're aiming for the end of February 2021. Thank you so much for listening to the Achievable Podcast. If you have any feedback or questions for me, check out my website, basicwisdom.net. All of my contact information is there, including details on my tutoring services. Good luck with your studies, and I'll see you next time.